Welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And I am joined by my athletic cohort, Mo DeKeel, Mr. <laughs> DeKeel O'Neal. <laughs> I finally learned how to say it. Finally got it right. Nailed it. Okay, so the Clippers only play these terrible weekend afternoon games at Staples, which it was compounded by the fact that it was daylight savings. I'm not a morning person whatsoever. (laughs) I I, I hate these afternoon games. I I hate having to be there by 1045 for Doc. It is brutal. And now that really was 945 uh, with daylight savings time. So I was in a terrible mood yesterday. Shocking. Um, (laughs) But not as bad of a mood as the Clippers, who lost 112 to 103 to the LA Lakers in round three of the Battle of LA. It was the Lakers' first time beating the Clippers this season. The Clippers lead the season series 2-1. Some notable performances from Anthony Davis, who had 30 points. LeBron James had 28 on the Clippers' side. Paul George led all scores with 31 and Kawhi Leonard had 27. So both stars showed up, you know, but both star tandems each had 58 points combined. Uh, but it was the other guys that really swung this game. Uh, most notably, former Clipper Avery Bradley, who had 24 points, a season high, made six threes, and really swung the game, uh, in, in my opinion, in that second half when he hit multiple threes, got hot, and kept the Lakers in the game. When you know the Clippers kind of made a run, um, it, it felt like you know the game might be slipping away from the Lakers, and all of a sudden Avery Bradley leads this charge. You know, the, the Lakers end up winning the, the non-LeBron minutes, which has been a struggle for them all season, and they ended up winning the game. Um, so before we get into some of the specific topics, or we could jump into those if that's you know some of your takeaway from the game. Uh, what did you learn about either one? I mean. I guess, what'd you learn about the Clippers? <laughs> Who cares about the Lakers? Um, <laughs> what'd you learn about the Clippers in, in round three of Battle for LA? You know, it was interesting. I was watching it and I just kind of, even though Kawhi had 27 points, had, you know, spin move off LeBron for a dunk and and things like that and had nice plays. I don't know about you, but to me, it felt like a passive 27. I mean, he got 18 shots up. I mean, it wasn't like, he was shy or anything like that, but it just felt like he was not as uh, aggressive or at least the the sense of it from him. I mean, maybe he's like you, not a morning person. Really felt like it was, you know, 1130 when the game tipped instead of 1230. And, and, and that kind of threw Kawhi off. But I was kind of caught off guard a little bit by that from him. Um, you know, and it, and it was interesting. He went two a nine from three and the Clippers is a – Hole only made seven threes. I mean, Avery Bradley went six of 12. I mean, he won less three than the entire Clippers squad, which was pretty impressive. But the, the, from the Clippers side of it too, it wasn't like this game meant so much more to the Lakers than the Clippers. I felt like if the Clippers had won it, it really could have, it was an opportunity to kind of crush the Lakers' soul a bit uh, before whatever, if they meet in the playoffs or anything like that. But it just didn't feel like they had it. But I didn't – there are some things that we're going to get into in terms of the takeaways that, you know, are things that they need to address. But I was I didn't walk away going like, man, I don't know what these guys are going to do when they, if they play the Lakers in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think, you know, to, to kind of put this in better perspective with – and we can briefly touch on this now. I don't think we need to get too much into it. But – the Clippers had more turnovers than assists. They, they had 15 turnovers, 12 assists. Um, they shot seven for 31 from deep, 22.6%. Um, I, I dug into the numbers, and overall, it was their fifth worst three-point shooting game of the season. And two of the other four were their two worst losses of the season, which was at Atlanta without Trey Young, though the Clippers didn't have uh, Pat Beverly, Kawhi, or PG, uh, but still lost to Atlanta without Trey uh, Trey Young, and then the home Memphis blowout loss, um, which, which caused Montrezl Harrell's comments post game, which right. sparked the whole story uh, on the Athletics. So I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, honestly, like if you almost put it in that perspective of like, this is their basically 
third worst loss of the season just because of how poorly they played. You kind of look at it in a different light where this was the Clippers playing at like a three or a four out of 10. Um, and and they lost only by nine points to the Lakers. Whereas if, if you're on the Lakers side, you know, they shot 45% from the floor. No, they didn't shoot it great from three, but they got 28 free throws and, and made 86% of them. Um, they only had 12 turnovers. Like you kind of think from the Lake, you know, you got six threes from Avery Bradley. The Lakers maybe played at like a seven, 7.5, maybe even an eight. Like they were kind of in that range. So I almost walk away a little bit more positive from the Clippers side of like the late. I mean, the Lakers did not play perfect. They, they had stuff they could have done better. They, they could have probably gotten even more looks for Anthony Davis, you know, even better looks. Right. Um, Le- LeBron could have been even more aggressive, although he took 14 free throws and, and was seven for 17. Like they could have played probably better. Their start. I mean, you, you didn't get anything from Danny Green. You didn't get much from Kyle Kuzma. Um, you know, I, I thought KCP's nine points, you know, it seemed like he had a bigger impact than just nine points. But, uh, you know, fr- from their supporting cast, you know, maybe that those 24 points from Bradley kind of get dispersed a little bit more to Danny Green, to Kyle Kuzma, to KCP. It's a little more balanced. But from the Lakers, it felt like they played like a seven or an eight. Like their defense was really, really good. They, they got to the free throw line a bunch. They, they got some contribution from their role players. Like this was, you know, not, again, not their peak, but, but you know, a pretty good game from the Lakers. The Clippers, to me, you know, again, you, you got nothing from Marcus Morris, 0 for 9, 0 for 7 from 3. Uh, Avica Zubats only played 14 minutes. Patrick Beverly was really bad. Um, you know, three turnovers to one assist in, in 26 minutes. Uh, you got nothing from Jermichael Green. You got nothing from Landry Shamit. It really was, you know, Lou Trez and Reggie Jackson off the bench were the only guys outside of Kawhi and PG that, that did anything. And then Lou Williams, which we're about to get into, was just, abhorrent defensively it was, it was just a tr- you know absolute train wreck and, and the Clippers were playing four on five defensively with, with Lou Williams so you know really you could say like Kawhi PG Reggie Jackson and Montrezl Harrell were the only guys that showed up um, I, I thought Marcus Morris had some solid defensive moments you know he had five fouls I thought used them well on LeBron and AD you know, held his own as reasonably as you can against those guys um, you know again they're, they're two of the five best players in the league, you know, might both finish top five in the MVP ballot. Um, so it, it's really hard to say like Marcus Morris locked down those two guys. Um, but I, I guess from, from my end, I, I walk away a little bit more confident from the Clippers just because I thought they played so poorly. Um, again, having more turnovers than assists, having one of their worst shooting performances of the season and still this being a close game to the end. Uh, kind of speaks to how good this team is, how deep this team is, and, and how well I think they match up with the Lakers overall. Yeah, I think they have a chance really against this team. You know, listen, when the Clippers are on, I don't know if anybody can beat them. And that's if anybody who's heard me on this po- podcast is very different than wh- how I felt actually the last time I was on where I was getting more and more worried about the squad. You know, I, I walked away thinking this wasn't the – the worst thing in the world. Like you said, they didn't shoot well. Uh, Marcus Morris going 0 for 9, although there were some of his shots that he took, which again, I'm just, I look at it and I go, he should not be taking these shots. You know, and he he does a couple of these, you know, a couple times a game, he tries to go isolation, does these mid-range shots and things like that. And I just look at it going like, that's not the shot you want to be taking when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the court with you. And, you know, there were a few of those where I was, concerned about and that also went to the other big issue about the team was they just kind of the ball movement just died you know Paul George was cooking for three quarters and then gets one shot in the fourth quarter like that just doesn't make sense and that can't happen that's on Doc to make sure the play callings you know more tilted towards plays towards uh, Paul I think they went too much ISO they went to Trez a bunch in the you know, post ISOs for Trez and things like that, that I just didn't really feel like made a lot of sense uh, for them, especially when you had a guy like him cooking, but you touched on it. Lou Williams defense was really a problem. I mean, the Lakers in the fourth quarter began to just attack him over and over again. And I generally, it's a tough balance. I think you got to figure out, Yovan, if, if you're doc, it's like, look, when you're down seven, you know, who do you go with on your bench? You know, 
Uh, Beverly was having a bad game. Uh, they're attacking Will Lou on defense, but you need his shooting. You need you need his scoring because you're down. But you know it, it becomes a tough situation. I think this almost might have been a time where you might have to maybe he should have turned it over to Reggie Jackson. How do you feel about that? Maybe like looking at that as they were attacking. Lou, uh, you know, just off pick and rolls and, and matchup hunting. Do you think maybe he should have tried to go to Reggie? Because we, we both agree Beverly was terrible. Yeah, it, it is a tough spot for the, the Clippers. Um, I, I think this is not a good matchup for Lou. Um, I, I wrote it after the Christmas Day game where the Lakers, because of their, you know, they don't really play a traditional point guard outside of Rondo. Um, everyone else in the rotation is about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and bigger. Um, you know, looking at their backcourt, it's Danny Green, who's, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six with long arms. Uh, you got KCP, who's another kind of, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guy. You got Caruso's, you know, 6'4". Um, so you they don't, you know, they're pretty much big at every position, you know, uh, just across right. the board, the, the Lakers. And what we saw from Lou in, in last season's playoffs uh, you know, weirdly enough, it was in the Staples games, not the games at Oracle. The the Warriors, with their size, with their length, uh, you know, particularly on the perimeter, were able to swallow up Lou and, and really contain the Lou tries pick and roll. And the Lakers did that on Christmas, and, and they did that again. Um, I, I thought yesterday. And if Lou and Trez aren't clicking in the pick and roll. And Lou is having an off night, which, you know, he only had seven points on three of 11 shooting. I just think Lou, like Lou is, is a clear and, and he's not only a clear minus defensively, he's in the conversation for worst defender in the league. Like it is, it is, that, <laughs> it is that bad. I'm not exaggerating. Like he is one of the 10 worst rotation defenders in the league. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's, you know, like the only guy I can think of off the top of my head, that's probably worse is like Trey young. And like outside of Trey young, Lou Williams is he's small, he, he's skinny, he, he's lost some of his quickness. Um, he, you know, he, he's, he, he's decent size, I guess, for his his height, but like he, he's not one of these, you know, he, and there's a lot of plays, honestly, where if you just watch, he kind of gives up. And once he's beat, he doesn't really try to get back into the, the action. Um, he, he's not one of, the, like, to me, one of the things that bothers you know, me with him. And this is maybe just, I'm, I guess maybe more old school with some of my defensive philosophy. Like, I think if you, if a guy gets beat, like go foul the guy, you know, or right, like right. he's one of those guys where like, if it's a one-on-one situation, someone's coming at him, he'll just get out of the way and let the guy score instead of like, just take the foul, like put your shoulder into a guy, you know, you know, occasionally it might be a flagrant, but like he, he's, he's so, you know, he's a buck 70, a buck 75. He's not really going to knock someone down. I mean, maybe they get an and one or something and, you know, and it depends who it is. If it's LeBron, sure, like get out of his way. But like, if a guard is coming at you and you can't stop them, like at least take the foul and send them to the free throw line. Don't just give up a layup. Um, but he does that way too often. And you know, so I, I just wrote about this. Uh, you know, my five observations piece for the Athletic. Like, he, you know, there were multiple possessions late in the game where LeBron, you know, not only isoed at the top of the arc. But he, you know, said no to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis would come up to set a screen and LeBron waved him off. Like, get out of the way. I'm going at Lou. You know, similar to what he's done uh, against Stephen Curry and and the Warriors. And, you know, called for – and the the Clippers tried to adjust. They, they, You know, first it was KCP. So they're like, all right, we'll put him on Avery Bradley, who's not as good of a driver and finisher as KCP. You know, not as big as KCP. And – Lakers just had Avery pop out for a three, knocks down a three on Lou. And, you know, when LeBron or a good ball handler is calling for a ball screen against Lou, what it forces is Lou either has to switch on to the ball handler or he has to scramble and recover to the screener who's either popping out for a three or drive or rolling into space where, depending on who that screener is, he can now make a play, he can attack. Um, you know, he could throw a lob and, you know, I, I, so when I wrote about this, some people in the comments were saying, wasn't that on Trez, you know, he didn't stop KCP's drive and 
yes, maybe, you know, Trez can can step up and, and contain the ball. And that's where maybe you'd prefer a guy like Zubots in there. Uh, but at the same time, Trez is trying to stick with Anthony Davis, who's right. Of, it's not it's the, not an easy decision. <laughs> you know, so that, that, that is uh, for sure, you know, dunk, lob, whatever. Right. To one of the best finishers in, in basketball. So to me, honestly, I'd rather have KCP taking a, you know, a six, eight foot floater than Anthony Davis finishing a lob. Um so and maybe the the guy in the back line can rotate, you know, block that lob, foul Davis, something. But you're now really putting a lot on your back four defenders to rotate, to cover for lose mistakes. So to me, I think it's clear. And now this is the third time we've really seen this. And, and maybe I'm missing some other times that just like wasn't paying attention as closely. But the Philly game, the Boston game, you know, both of those games right before yeah. the All-Star break. And, and now this Lakers game. Teams have really targeted Lou uh, in the Philly game. It was Josh Richardson in the, uh, or you know, Josh Richardson was the screener who who hurt Lou um, in the Boston game. It was Marcus Smart coming up to screen for Jason Tatum, and, and now in this Lakers game, it was Avery Bradley and KCP for LeBron. Where these teams have really targeted, we're going to just ISO guy at the top of the arc and have him just attack Lou and. The, the Clippers, you know, did preemptively switch one time where they had PG and Lou switch before the screen. So PG ended up being, this, you know, coming up uh, to, to the point of attack. Um, and Doc eventually took Lou out for like a minute for, for Pat at, at the end of the game. But at that point, it was already like an eight-point game and the game was pretty much sealed. So I guess moving forward, big picture, also of note, in all three of those games, Lou was not having a good offensive night. So Doc could not point to because we asked Doc about it post game, and he right. said, "Well, Pat wasn't playing well. He, you know, he wasn't having a good night." But it's like Lou was not playing well either. He was having a poor night, <laughs> and at least Pat is a, is a plus defender who, who can switch onto LeBron in a pinch. So I guess moving this conversation forward, um, you know, I, I think we're in agreement that if Lou Williams is having a great night. 20, 25 plus points, 30 points, whatever, he's on fire. You play him, you ride out the defense, you, you kind of take your lumps w- with how well he's playing. But if he's having one of these off nights and, and he's three for 11, three for 12, three for 15, we've seen him have some pretty bad nights. Wh- what is your strategy? You know, do you say, do you bench him and just tell, tell him, look, Lou, you know, at, we need plus defense. We have Kawhi and PG. We don't need your offense as much. You know, there's going to be some matchups where we just have to bench you, um, or, or do you try to do the the Golden State thing where, where you're switching guys preemptively to try to get him off of the ball and, and just have to be really alert on that? Um, do you go to zone, which the Clippers have done a little right. bit? Like, what is your strategy to teams attacking him? To me, I, I kind of lean towards just benching him. You know, you said Reggie Jackson. I think you go Reggie, you go Pat, you go Landry if the Clippers can get Landry more involved. Or maybe you just go Giant and, and you have PG and, and Kawhi as your two guards, especially in this Lakers matchup where they don't really have a point guard. Their point guard is LeBron, who you're already putting PG or Kawhi on. Maybe you go Kawhi and PG as the guards. You go Marcus Morris. You go Trez. And, you know, I, I guess maybe you could go Landry as the, as the fifth guy. You could go Jermichael Green, go a little bit bigger against the Lakers. But – what do you see as kind of the solution for, for lose defense? Yeah, no, I think it's a, a variety of things. I, uh, it, you know, you can go zone a little bit. The funny thing, the, first let's do the preemptive switches thing. Here's the thing. If they want to get Lou in the pick and roll, they're just going to find Lou's guy. You preemptive switch and then whoever Lou ends up with is going to go set the pick. I mean, it's, it's just, it's what's going to happen. I mean, that's, that's the way it works in that situation. So, you know, I'm not sure how much that's going to happen unless you're going to keep making that preemptive switch. And at that point, it gets hard and you end up giving something. Zone might be an, only your best option if you if you intent on keeping Lou on the court. You know, and I think that's kind of – you can hide players in a zone a little easier. And, and against the Lakers, and, you know, be honest, they don't really have great outside shooting. That's probably a smart option to go to. Uh, it may not work against other teams. It might become an issue. But with the Lakers, I think you can go ahead and do that. Um, I'll push back a little bit. They put Landry in the game in place of Lou. You're going to have the same thing. And Landry can't stay with any of those guys either. Like Landry would be just as bad. I'm not uh, a big believer in that. And, and they would hunt him down and 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 he would be in the same positions as Lou. And I don't think it'd be as 
you know, it would turn out much differently. But I think at that point, like, you know, maybe you do go Reggie Jackson. And like you said, or even if Bev's killing you offensively a little bit, you know what, just take the ball out of his hands. You're better off getting stops, especially in that point in the game, Yoban, when you're down baskets. Like, if you're winning, it's a different story. But when you're losing, just as important as it is to score, you got to get stops. And they just couldn't do that down the stretch. And that really, that's really how the Lakers ended up winning this game. And that, that was the thing that becomes a problem because LeBron's the guy who he will make the right pass regardless time in the game. If he's not going to take the game winning shot, he'll find the guy who's open to, to take those shots. He's not afraid of letting somebody else share in that spotlight. So I think it just becomes that issue. I think really at the end of the day, though, I think zone might be the best option if you want to keep Luan. But I'm probably with you in favor of like if he's not cooking, you got to bench him because that's the whole point of having Lou Williams, right? You live with his defense because he's going to be so good offensively. If he's not good offensively, you don't need to live with this defense. Well, and I think the other part of this equation is, as we've talked about on this podcast, I've talked about this ad nauseum, and I've said I've talked about this ad nauseum. Like I feel like I just keep repeating myself on the podcast. <laughs> like it's not like Trez is a is a plus rim protector either, and you know I, he he actually has held his own, I think, in the Lakers matchup reasonably well because I think his one I, – I think his, his one best attribute as a defender is actually his post-defense because he has long arms. He is a – you know, because he's undersized, he is lower to the ground. He has a lower center of gravity. And he, he, he is a thick, strong guy who, you know, is not easily movable. You know, against most bigs, he can at least match them strength-wise outside of, like, an Embiid or, or someone that big. Um, so I think actually in the Davis matchup, he can get into Davis's legs. He can body him. He could push him out to the mid range, which, you know, now kind of maybe transitioning into some of the, the defense against AD. I went back and looked at every one of Anthony Davis's offensive possessions on synergy. I watched all of his shot attempts. And for the most part, the Clippers actually did a pretty good job. AD just hit a bunch of jumpers. Like he hit a couple of jumpers on zoo, Zoo, you know, closed out, had his hand up, just hit it over him. Um, you know, he had this one impossible shot against Jermichael Green, drove baseline, kind of Larry Bird-esque, just floating it above the backboard, goes in. Um, you know, he, he hit an open three. Clippers will gladly give him that. Before the Clippers, heading into this matchup, AD was shooting 27% on mid-range jumpers against the Clippers, 12% on threes. The Clippers will gladly live with an Anthony Davis jump shot any day of the week. What they don't want is the lobs the back doors, right. the transition points, the catching it, you know, deep post position, uh, you know, flashing middle, catching it where he's drawing fouls or he's just getting easy buckets that kind of get him going. Um, so there, there were a few mess ups. You know, Le- LeBron had a lob to him uh, as the role man in the pick and roll. Um, you know, he, he had that one reverse dunk late and he had a steal that, that got him a transition dunk. But outside of that, really everything he got was either off of fouls or contested jumpers. Um, so I thought the Clippers actually hung with him pretty well. He just got hot, you know, made 11 of 19 shots. And when when he's making his jumper, there's really no defense against Anthony Davis. Um, but I, I I'll say, you know, to, to, to quickly go back to Trez, like I think he defended him reasonably well and, and, you know, has actually done decent defensively in this matchup. But I think it's one thing if you have Zubats in there, who you can kind of funnel guys to better than Trez. But if, if you're relying, you know, in a lot of those, those plays where Lou was trying to wildly close out, you know, he'd wildly show and, and kind of overshow and overextend at LeBron, then have to scamper back, you know, eight, 10 feet to recover to KCP. Then KCP pump fakes him, blows by him, and now is attacking Trez. And Trez just isn't a good enough defender and isn't big enough to kind of play that game of cat and mouse of, you know, kind of hedging at KCP, but maintaining you still have the, the space to get back to AD on the backside. And, you know, he just kind of was in no man's land and then KCP got a couple runners. And I think, again, if it's one thing if you have Zubats who's 7-1, uh, you know, the rim protection numbers have really supported him as one of the better rim protectors in the league. Um, it is in smaller minutes, but, you know, I think it's one thing if you have him in there, but if you're going to go with Trez, that's where I think you got to be better defensively at containing the ball at the other positions. And if you have a, a defensive liability in Lou, who is basically funneling guys into the paint at Trez, 
that's a recipe for disaster. And I just don't think at this point the Clippers can play both of those guys together. If you want to play Lou, I think you got to play Zoo or, or Jermichael at the five. Um, if you want to play Trez, you can't play Lou. It's one or the other. But if you're playing both, to me, you have two minus defenders. And at the highest levels of basketball, the conference finals, the finals, I think that's going to cost the Lake. Uh, I mean, the, the Clippers against the Lakers, against the Bucks. Um, you know, against like maybe someone else beats the Lakers, and that's who they're playing in the conference finals. And that team is hot. And that team, you know, like the Rockets, maybe it doesn't matter. But I, I just have some reservations of, you know, again, I've been beating this drum since preseason. I don't think Lou and Trez can close together against the top teams. And I think we've now are starting to see the sample size of it is not a, a winning formula. You know, smart teams contain the Lou Trez pick and roll. Smart teams, you know, exploit them defensively on the other end. And I think we've seen that now with the Celtics, Sixers, and Lakers. And I just have my concerns that Doc is so married to Lou and Trez, he's going to continue to play them regardless of what the results. You know, we've pressed them on it. We, we've we've tried to ask, why are you playing these guys, you know, despite their defensive limitations? And he just comes up with either excuses for why the other guys shouldn't be playing or for why Lou and Trez, you know, bring certain things offensively when even, you know, that hasn't been the case. Like, again, right. last night, Pat was just as bad as Lou offensively, in my opinion. Um, you know, if anything, Lou was taking shots. He was taking his contested mid-range jumpers, which if he's not hitting them, they're bad. I mean, they're bad shots, but but you kind of live with it because he can make them. But when he's not making them, it's just kind of killing your offensive flow. Um, so I don't – to me, the solution is probably – I mean, to be honest, I think my, the solution I've been saying all year is probably benching both of them. I know that's not realistic – so right. probably benching one is kind of the middle ground. But if Doc continues to play both of them, I really have some – I think this team is good enough to win where they can kind of overcome that. But I do think it would not surprise me if they lose to the Lakers or Bucks because of this issue where teams are just targeting them. And and neither one of those teams has as big of a defensive liability in their backcourt that is logging closing minutes. Like Avery Bradley, we saw what he did defensively last night. Right. Danny Green, even KCP – is like an average to above average defender. Um, and then with the Bucs, we know, you know, Bledsoe, George Hill, uh, you know, Middleton, Giannis, those guys like are all, you know, clear plus defenders. With the Clippers, Lou, again, Lou is just terrible defensively. And I, I, I don't know what the solution is other than playing zone, like you said, or, or benching him. Yeah. And then, I mean, again, it's just a surprise to me. You know, Reggie Jackson had a good night, three for seven, you know, in 14 minutes. Um, didn't have any assists or anything like that. Had one turnover, but he's, you know, that's a guy I think you could have put in that situation and could have done a little better. Um, so you know that's that's why you bring him in, you know, and that's sort of why you added him to the lineup and to help in these situations. And and you know, and I was just surprised by the 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 amount of minutes that Reggie didn't play. In that, in that scenario where I just would have thought, like, man, you probably should take Lou out. I mean, it happened, too. He, the KCP play happened, and then there was a timeout. And Lou Williams still comes out, and then the Lakers ran another play, and that's where they got Bradley the three. Like, it's it's it was a bit of a surprise to see Williams coming out of or, or coming out of the, the huddle and onto the court during the timeout. I was like, wow, we're just going to stick with that. Okay, and I think you're right about that with Doc because he does tend to stick with his guys. I mean, our – you know, last year he was he was in love with Avery Bradley, right? And despite the numbers telling him, like, yo, this guy's really not as helpful as you seem to think he is. And I think that sort of continues. And that's just a trend with Doc, you know. Um, Zoo was pretty good in his 14 minutes. His defense against AD was good. You know, I was surprised that he didn't get more, more time as well. It was just, you know, I mean, physically he was killing them on the offensive glass. I mean, it, to start the game – he got three offensive rebounds, kept plays alive and, and got it going. And I think the Lakers were, I'm sorry, the Clippers were more physical to start the game because of that. And I think that was something I would have thought you would have kept going. Um, it was, it was a bit of a surprising game in the way doc called it to me, you know, with, with his rotations, with his play calls, um, you know, it, it, the whole thing just kind of felt a little bit off in, in that sense. I mean, the game was a bit, for the Clippers, they, they just fell off across the board where everybody didn't feel like they were in the right mindset. 
So uh, overall, how, how did you feel about their defense against AD? And then I guess against LeBron too, because I, I thought the biggest difference for me in this game was, you know, a, you know, so Avery Bradley goes off that, you know, the, the Lakers had that. They've had that in each of the three games where the first game, Danny Green had a season high, um, you know, 28-29. Second game, Kyle Kuzma goes unconscious and scores like 25 um, and has one of his best games of the season. And then this game, Avery Bradley scores a season high. So, like, each one of the games, the Lakers have just had a random guy, um, you know, get super hot and just go off for 20-plus. Uh, but I-, I thought this was the best LeBron had looked and-, and really his ability to get downhill in the pick and roll um, just to uh, attack the Clippers' defense and-, and really get guys in foul trouble. You know, he had 14 free throw attempts. Um, you know, so first game was opening night, kind of feeling out the process. He, he was trying to feed Anthony Davis a lot. Christmas Day, he's dealing with that groin injury and isn't 100%. So I thought from the Clippers side, the only thing I'd be semi-concerned with, aside from Lou's defense, would be LeBron looked super comfortable, I thought, um, you know, attacking them and, and getting downhill. But wh- where were you at overall with the, with the LeBron and Anthony Davis defense? I mean, I thought the AD defense was was good. I mean, listen, he made shots. And you shake his hand and you move on. Like, he wasn't overpowering in the post. It wasn't a dominant post uh, play from him. You know, it was mid-range jumpers, which it was mid-range jumpers, which you concede and you're willing to allow. Um, and, and, you know, and then he hits the one three. It's, it's, it's okay. I mean, he airballed two threes. I mean, the first one didn't count because of a three second violation, but like there was a, a slow start for him in that regard until he found his rhythm. I thought he did well. I mean, I thought the Clippers did well in defending him. I wasn't really blown away until LeBron started to get going. Once LeBron got going and was attacking down rim, you know, downhill and getting into the rim and getting into the paint, you know, everybody had to collapse on him, which opened up opportunities to to find dump off guys for JaVale, for for AD and those opportunities. So, you know, I thought the defense was was good against AD. It was a bit of a struggle against LeBron. But to be fair, it's going to be a struggle for most teams against LeBron. He's he's a freak. And that's where I kind of felt like they the the defense across the board just wasn't fully there. Um, I felt like that's where I kind of felt a little bit of the passiveness from Kawhi. Uh, I didn't see much from PG guarding him. I just, just you know, when LeBron wants to take over, Yoban, he's going to take over. It's can you sustain it and 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 kind of keep up on the other end, and that's where I felt they sort of fell off. And I think to to end this game on a positive note because I think, like, I mean, all three games have been close. I think all three games could have gone either way. Um, I, I think the again the Clippers I thought played really poorly and, and still were in this game till the end. Uh, you know, Christmas Day was a game that went down to the wire could have gone either way. And, and then, you know, the first opening night Clippers kind of took control of the game in the fourth and, and we're really in control of those last seven, eight minutes of the game. But I think that right now the season series, you know, the Lakers easily could be up two one. Um, I think the Clippers could be up three zero Lakers could be up three zero, like any, you know, variation of, of the records I think could, could go either way here. Um, but if you're the Clippers, look, you're up two one. I think, you should be feeling good about where you're at. Uh, but to me, the most positive thing of all for the Clippers, uh, aside from just how close the game was, despite their poor play and, and poor shooting, was Paul George. You know, because Paul George, he didn't play an opening night. He had that stinker on Christmas Day where, you know, he had 17 points, which which is subpar, but not like horrible. But he was 5 of 18 and was blocked four different times you know, kept getting snuffed at the rim by Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee, just did not have confidence in, in, in you know, attacking the paint. And I thought from the jump, you know, through the fir- first half for sure and, and really through the first three quarters, he was the best player on the floor. You know, he had a game-high 31, 28 of which came through the first three quarters. Um, and he was attacking AD, Dwight, JaVale off the dribble. You know, the, the Clippers, I mean, uh, the Lakers were putting – most of their attention on Kawhi and putting kind of the secondary defender on PG. And he just kind of made it known like Danny Green, KCP, Alex Crusoe, Avery Bradley, like y'all can't guard me. This is a joke. I'm six foot nine. I'm either going to shoot over you right. or, or, or blow by you 
or hit a step back three in your face. Um, so I thought from all three levels, he, he really attacked well, um, got a bunch of great looks. It was, as you said earlier in the podcast, unfortunate that the Clippers stopped feeding him in the fourth. Um, I, I thought that could have potentially swung the game. But to me, the fact that he had 31, he was this aggressive because even when Paul has had some of the bigger scoring nights this season, um, you know, he's done a lot of it from the perimeter, a lot of jump shots. I thought this was really him attacking, drawing fouls, finishing, you know, in the paint at the rim. And that to me was very encouraging because for the Clippers to not only, I think, defeat the Lakers, but just to advance in the playoffs to reach their potential, they need Paul George. And, and we, you know, we can get cute with the Lou and Trez stuff. We can get cute with Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, you know, the depth of this team. But at the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to lead this team where they need to go, you know, if they get there. And those guys being healthy, those guys playing at, you know, top 10, top five levels is what's going to determine the Clippers season, you know, aside from their health. Uh, so to me, I think I was encouraged and, and, you know, I thought it was very promising that Paul George played as well as he did and, and really showed like the Lakers don't have an answer for me. And if you guys are really going to focus your attention on Kawhi, on loading up on him, on sending multiple guys at him, you know, doubling him, zoning up on him, I'm going to make you pay. And right. that to me is something I think you can walk away if you're the Clippers encouraged by. Yeah, but I, I think that's where – you see, I'm, I'm sorry, Clipper fans. He tried to leave you on a positive note. I'm going <laughs> to leave you on a sour note. Okay, that's where – this is where this team goes wrong. You know, the fact that they only had 12 assists says a lot. You know, they're, they're – you know, when, when they've been balling, the ball's been flying, you know, and they're moving and they're getting second side action and they're they're really attacking. And I felt like that really wasn't happening. As the game continued to go on, it became more and more of one-on-one and hero ball than, than passing. And and the ball movement just stopped and things like that. I wish, you know, I don't know the, the fancy stats places where you can find them, but I would love to see the passing data just overall passes from each quarter. Cause I bet it just went down as it went on. And, you know, again, like as, as Paul George is cooking, you got to get him the ball and that's on doc. He's got to realize, you know, you listen, coaches, the assistant coaches in between each timeout are getting stat sheets. You know, they're seeing what's happening and the, you know, the, the stat stuff, he's got to look and go like, man, Paul's been stuck on whatever, uh, 15 field goal attempts for quite a while. You know, we need to get him some shots. Let's run some of our, our, our Paul George package. Let's get PG going here a bit and things like that. You can't go away from that when it's working, you know, and, and from that, that opens everybody else up because they got to start locking in on George even harder and that will open up more opportunities and cleaner looks. But once it became a one-on-one game, I mean, that's that's playing into the Lakers' hands because you're not taking advantage of the offensive firepower you have. You're not using them as threats because they know, hey, you guys aren't passing today. We got you covered. So, you know, as, as positive as it is that PG was finally cooking against the Lakers, it's it's a little bit scary in the sense of just how quickly and how easily they were able to go away from that in the fourth quarter. And that's something that I would keep an eye on. Well, and I I also think that speaks to Paul George a little bit. Where yeah, for sure, um, you know, as I've I've written about this earlier in the season, um, you know, he can be deferential at times, and I think it's one thing to be deferential to Kawhi Leonard because he's Kawhi Leonard, but we've actually seen him be deferential to Lou and Trez at times. Even when Kawhi is out, like you would think Kawhi's out, he's going to go drop thirty five points, have a monster night and lead this team to a win, but it's actually been Lou and Trez sometimes being the leading scorers or, you know, Landry steps up or Jermichael or, you know, someone else has the big night. And that to me is something to kind of, and that's where it looked like it wasn't going to be the case through the first three quarters, because, you know, we've seen with Paul as well, he'll sometimes have big first quarters and then kind of disappear for the rest of the game or he'll have, you know, 12, 14, 16 points in the first quarter or first quarter and a half and then finish with 20, 22, 24 points. And you're kind of like, where'd you go the rest of the game? 
this was like the first three quarters. He was a monster. He was the best player on the court. You know, he also had three steals, a block. Like he was very engaged defensively and all of a sudden just kind of disappears in the fourth. I think it's on every, like, you know, looking at the shot distribution right now, uh, Kawhi was three of five in, in the fourth, but Marcus Morris, 0 of two, PG, 0 of two, Trez, two of three, Lou, one of three, Jamichael, 0 of two. So, you know, he was tied for third most shots, or I guess fourth most shots in the quarter. That should not be happening, especially when he's cooking like that. Um, but that's enough on this game. I yeah. think you know, <laughs> we beat we, it. We, we beat we, it to we, death. <laughs> we, we beat it to death. We, we covered every angle. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com Clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Let's wrap up with, with this. The Clippers signed Joakim Noah to a 10-day contract today. Uh, I, I think quick thoughts on that. I think it is a no brainer. I, I think it was the obvious move really dating back to September when you looked at the makeup of this roster. Um, it, it's kind of unclear what happened to Joakim. If you look at his Instagram in January, he had a post, a, a workout post about him having some type of Achilles surgery that, you know, he, four months prior that he was recovering from. I would assume it was not an Achilles rupture or maybe even Achilles tear because those, as we know, take close to a year right. to, to um, you know, recover from. So maybe some type of Achilles strain or, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm sure we'll learn more in the coming days. But, you know, he always made sense for this team because they only had two centers. And as we saw in the Philly game, you know, w- with Zoo getting in foul trouble, with Trez getting in foul trouble against Joel Embiid, the Clippers really had no other player to turn to. And I think that's where Joakim Noah, you know, as the third center, can come in and play. You know, he could spot you eight to ten minutes if you really need that time. Um, if, you know, knock on wood, Trez or Zoo goes down with an injury or is in foul trouble, you now have another guy who can step up and play. Uh, so, like, last season he averaged uh, 16 minutes a game for the for the Grizzlies, seven points, six rebounds, just under a block, 57% true shooting percentage. Um, you know, most of his advanced numbers painted him as a positive, you know, 18.6 PER, uh, 2.1 box plus minus. So like this was a guy who actually came in over those last, you know, 40 plus games with the Grizzlies and was a positive contributor. You know, a guy many people had written off uh, because of his New York Knicks contract, the injuries, uh, you know, him kind of admitting that he didn't really care as much about basketball and he was into the party scene in New York and, and you know, all the injuries kind of made him depressed and he gained weight and he wasn't in the best shape and um, really came back in Memphis out of nowhere and, and was a it was a positive. So I think if he could give the Clippers even 70% of that, right, like he doesn't even have to be the full Memphis version, that to me is probably at least a replacement level guy who has your 11th, 12th, 13th guy on the roster. I think he will, if he does make the final roster, because this is a 10-day again, um, I think he'll probably make the playoff roster just because they want that insurance of a third center. So you have 13 guys on your playoff roster. My guess right now is Fiondu Cabangeli for sure won't be on the playoff roster. And then it's probably Terrence Mann or Patrick Patterson as that last kind of cut. Um my guess is probably Terrence Mann doesn't make it, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, so h- how do you see Joakim fitting in? Um, do you think it makes sense to, to sign a third center? 
Um, is, is, does this move even matter at all? Or are we, am I over analyzing it and wasting my words on it? Um, or do you th- see him as someone that in a pinch could potentially actually help this team in the playoffs if, you know, something happens with an injury or foul trouble where they actually need him? Well, I mean, you know, as well as anybody, I've been screaming that they need another big guy. Like yeah. I, this, this is something I've wanted for a long time, you know, and I was, this is, I've been pushing for forever. So yeah, I hate it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I think it's a really good move. I think it's a luxury. You know, I think him signing on the 10 day right now is for them to kind of figure out this health stuff and really what what is going on with them and for them to get a better look at him up close. But I think he's going to end up signing on, you know, for the rest of the season. I think he'll he'll he will make the playoff roster. I don't think he'd, you know, if he signs on for the regular season, I imagine he has that understanding that he's going to be on the roster. Now, how much minutes he gets is really kind of like you, the way you broke it down was perfect in the sense of, look, if something happens with Zoo and Trez in a game and they get into foul trouble, you know, you can throw Joe Kim out there. And, you know, there's one thing we know about Joe Kim is he's a defensive dog, you know, like he's going to hustle defensively. He's going to give you everything he has. That's going to be his main focus. He's not a guy that needs the ball. He's obviously not going to post up. So it's not like you got to worry about touches or anything like that from him. I think he kind of fits well with this roster. I think he fits well kind of in the locker room, just with his attitude. I could see, you know, um, him and Beverly getting along just in the fact that they both like to jaw so much at, at their opponents. I think this is something that will be a good bonding moment for them. I, I Overall, I just think it was a good move, and it's a low-risk move. It didn't cost them anything. It doesn't yeah. hurt to have him there. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a luxury that they're afforded to have, and it's something of why not do it. You know, it, it, it would have kind of almost felt reckless if, you know, like let's say they face Denver in the second round. And Jokic gets those guys all in the foul troubles. And Marcus Morris is now guarding him. And, and he might do a good job on him, but he might be at risk of picking up fouls. Like, you know, who are you turning to at, you know, at the bench? And at least now you have another big man who has defensive reputation, you know, that you could throw in. I just think it was a good move. It was just smart on their, in their, on their, in their thinking of like, hey, let's do that. And it being a 10 day to start out is actually great for them to be able to look and say, What's his, what is this injury thing? It's, you know, let us get a good look at it. Let's see what he can do. And if he can't do anything, it gives them time to go find somebody else if they need to. Any other thoughts on Noah or this Lakers matchup or the Clippers in general? Because I think it must be noted um, at minute 47 of the podcast uh, that this team has been playing really well lately. You know, they were on a six game winning streak heading into, you know, we, we just focused on the Lakers matchup because that was such a big matchup and that's the game everyone cares about. That's the most likely conference finals. It seems like in, in the West right now. Um, and that is just an important matchup, but the team had, had won six straight, been playing the best basketball in the league heading into that game. And they've really found their groove. That starting unit has been a defensive juggernaut. Um, they've, they've been able to switch one through four. Um, obviously, you know, Zoo has done his thing as a rim protector and, and rebounder. And um, overall, Marcus Morris hasn't fit in great offensively, but has fit in really well defensively. The bench unit is going to kill most bench units, um, you know, that are not elite teams. Um, you know, I think they'll, they can't use that against the Lakers or the Bucks and, and maybe a couple other teams, but against, 22 to 25 teams that they can use that lineup and and it'll hold its own if not um, outplay most teams second units your Reggie Jackson has fit in well I, I just wrote recently about how he's unlocked Lou Williams as a scorer and shooter um, and, and then uh, you know Trez Trez and Lou have continued to do their thing Lou's dropped off a little bit offensively but um, you know Jermichael has has continued to kind of be up and down as a shooter uh, Landry's the one guy recently who's kind of lost his spot in the rotation, been playing less since Reggie Jackson's arrival, ha- hasn't gotten as many shot attempts, hasn't shot the ball as well. So if anyone recently has kind of struggled, it, it's Landry. And, um, you know, I, I don't uh, – the Clippers are going to have to figure that situation out because I think he has potential as a important shooter in the playoffs, but as of right now has not been playing his best basketball uh, the last couple of weeks. So overall, things trending in a positive direction for the Clippers. They've started to distance themselves in the race for the two-seed. Looks like they have the inside track to get that, which would put them on a collision course 
with the Lakers in the conference finals if both teams make it there. Um, so overall, things are positive in Clippers land. Um, you know, don't overthink the Lakers loss. Joakim Noah is a positive signing, you know, purely upside. And I think the Clippers over these final uh, 19 games are really in a good position to enter the playoffs with some momentum as long as they can stay healthy. Yeah, everything you said, just double it. that's 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 what i'm thinking i mean they were rolling uh you know don't let the one loss discourage you and it's also it wasn't like a bad loss yeah it's against a good team it's it's technically against the number one team in the west you know this is this is fine you know and and you know they're they're looking to finish strong and it wasn't even it wasn't a loss where we just looked at it and said god it was terrible what the hell were they their effort was god awful i mean they were in it to the end so you know, I, I wouldn't, like you said, don't overthink it. Right now it's going well. And, you know, the most important thing, and this is the thing they need all the way into and through the playoffs, is being fully healthy. Yeah, And that's and that's kind of the key right now that we the, the focus needs to be on is let's get as many men's together fully healthy as we possibly can for, for this stretch run. And I think that's what they're getting, and that's what we need to keep focusing on and keep eyeing. All right, Bo. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. As always, uh, we would like to have you on at least once a month or so. Um, where can people find you on social media if they're not following you yet? Yeah, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's the same handle uh, at Mo Dakil M O D A K H I L underscore N B A. You can find me. Yeah, just there. That's where you'll find all my stuff and posting what pods and what articles I've written and and every now and then I'll retweet one of Yobans. <laughs> smart man, <laughs> smart man. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have not subscribed to this podcast or The Athletic, I would appreciate it if you do so. Um, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're, you're listening to this podcast. Um, and of course, hear it on The Athletic app. And if you would like to subscribe to The Athletic with a discount, go to theathletic.com slash clipcity. Help me out. Help this podcast out. As always, I will be back later in the week to discuss uh, what is a – it's going to be an interesting game tomorrow. It is at Golden State versus Steph Curry, you know, who's recently returned. And we have this whole coronavirus thing, which might kill all of us. Um, so, <laughs> jeez, what a way to end the pod, folks! That's how you do it. <laughs> and now it's come out that we have to stay six to eight feet away from the players. So I might need you to stay six to eight feet away from me, man. Wow. <laughs> uh, so on that note, um, talk to you guys soon. <laughs>